0: bitch talk booze Interview straight from the heart of san francisco this is erin you can find us at BitchtalkPodcast.com. you can also find us at bff.fm every monday morning from 6 to 6 30 we are joined in studio by poet teacher drummer sometimes a bartender in the mission her name's kr morrison um first heard her poetry out of that's what she said uh last year in 2019 we've been talking about having her on the show we finally did And uh, it was pretty magical, I would say. So we want to start off the year with the powerful woman, because it is the year of the woman. And this is K.R. Morrison. Very excited about this guest, who uh, I think we've been talking about you coming on to Bitch Talk for a while. Her name is K.R. Morrison. Hi. Uh, She's a poet, she's a teacher, she's a drummer, she also works in a bar in the mission. Um, very San Francisco of you. All of those things. <laughs> that's what <laughs> you I you are true San Franciscan. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Eight, <laughs> eight plates in the air at the same time. Yeah. I in mean, order to survive. I think each of us probably have about that in yeah. the air. So that's just how, how we roll. Yep. That's why we're cool. The the surviving. So, yeah. <laughs> There's survival. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna cheat a little bit. I I uh listened to your podcast uh, from Story San Francisco, which was a... Was it a year it's ago? It's about a year ago, more um, or less. So I was able to do my homework a little bit. But then I had you um, at a show for That's What She Said earlier yes. in 2019, um, reading poetry. It was our first open mic night, and it was powerful Thank you. Fuck. Okay, Thank I guess I'm going to swear. I already had a <laughs> whole conversation about, I'm not going to swear, and then I just said that word. That's okay. Um, but you really brought the room... To kind of a halt, and I thought into a standstill. Oh, wow, that's a big because of your because of your words. And of course, you had to be on the show at some point. And I'm like, well, I think the new year would be nice just to open the year up with the poet, a teacher, a drummer. I love this podcast. so I'm honored to be here. Yeah, and just just to talk about kind of your life and trajectory. About trajectories, I can say fuck. I can't say trajectory. But just, I don't know. I I I love your spirit, and um, wanted to first kind of dive into. You're a teacher in a high school. <laughs> yes, that. I mean, I feel like that already stresses me out enough. And then you do all these other things. So, can you talk about? I mean, it's been 15 years at Galileo High School, 15, San Francisco. 15. Yeah. and um, I heard a couple of stories on stories San Francisco, but um, can you talk about? maybe your top three, top five moments in your career and, and how, I know, sorry, I'm really putting you on the spot. One, I don't know, this year, um, but, and how they've affected your life and and your teaching. Sure. Uh, You mean in the
1: classroom? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe in your life. Well, what's interesting is that I got into teaching, I I thought I was going to do it for a few years thought that I was going to move on to other things. I've always been the type of person where I wanted to do more than one career in my life. Mm-hmm. I think those people are the most well-rounded when you meet them older in life. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs>
0: just no, I'm talking like <laughs> I'm when I meet kidding.
1: people like like my grandfather was yeah. like that. The man did eight f- to 10 different careers in his life. Mm-hmm. So that's that was my plan. I fell in love with them. Um, it was weird. It was as if teaching them how to write um, healed me and certain things in my past. Mm. And in, at the same time, I was helping them. I, I basically discovered that it was way more than a job for me, which I guess that's how I deal with the stress. I don't even know if I'd be a writer or a drummer if I wasn't a teacher. They inspire mm. me to do other things. And when I took a year off from them to work on a book – I, that's when I realized it because ironically, I lost a lot of inspiration to work on the manuscript because mm-hmm. I didn't have them in the room. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I respond to relationships. Mm. So they get me to want to create. So, yeah. you know, I'm
0: assuming you. It seems <laughs> like you'd be that teacher that's super cool and like all the kids just want to hang out with you. But also <laughs> after school, after they're done with school, they'll keep in touch with you. So there's a lot. You've seen a lot of. Yeah different lives right evolve yeah Yeah. hopefully
1: I I have an army of kids that call me mama mo like just we became a family Mm -hmm. um 15 years in you run into them everywhere and they are (laughs) they're like you I think it's because also the nature of my subject I teach English and how to write and write about themselves so things just inevitably get personal you know, we're not in there working on, and no disrespect to this, but we're not in there working on quadratic equations or dissecting frogs or mm-hmm. certain other uh, subject matters. I feel don't hone in, like my my craft is story elements, what they are, how they show up in books, how to write them. And so inevitably they start looking at their own internal conflicts and their own protagonists and antagonists in their lives and how they have shaped their plot so to speak and I do a whole thing in the classroom around them identifying their own story elements with the one, ones we read mm. so it just gets personal mm-hmm. and uh we get close yeah and so yeah I don't I don't I don't really feel stressed by them mm. I I feel really lucky it's the adults that stress me out
0: that's I mean, what I've heard
1: yeah the kids are the easy part <laughs>
0: <laughs> um I mean writing's therapy. Yeah. And so the kids that you work with, do you feel like they're working through a lot of not only just their stories, but a lot of their stuff? Yes. Through their stories? Yes. And how does how does that work for you and and them as student teacher?
1: It's tricky. Mm-hmm. You know, because I am a writer, so it's really important I try to keep empathy cuz not all humans have the same experience with writing. And um some kids they, they reject the craft precisely because they got to clean up the messy rooms in them, so to speak. Mm. You know, they got to look at things that they've been through. Um, and I don't feel like I'm in it. I'm not their therapist. Right. So I'm not in any place to force things. So with each kid, it, it's different. And you've got to just create a space where you teach them how to think and not what to think. Um I do my best to stay out of the way, and strangely, in doing so, I, I'll, I'll reach more of them.
0: They find their relationship with writing. Um, I I heard you say that in stories, in San Francisco, and also that that's helpful, at least for you as a teacher, because, yeah. as you said, and I remember this in school, there are the teachers that are chill, mm-hmm. um, but you respect the hell out of them, and you know you do really well in their class. At least I did. Yeah, I. I I Excelled in those classes, and then the ones that are super strict, you're like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> like, well, I'm out of here. You I know, can't. I'm, I love that you brought that up because it is. They're
1: different. It's a different generation mm. now. All of this is umbrellaed under. I'm now an old person. I'm 42 now, so maybe I'm. Hello, welcome.
0: <laughs> same, but actually, edit that out, shark.
1: Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> same age here. The, so. The one thing I've noticed about being a teacher that's cool and a teacher that they can identify with and, yeah, they can identify with me, I have to lay on the boundaries. And I have, like, what you just described about being in school, that was me too. Mm -hmm. Uh, These kids, though, I find that if you just make them like you and think you're cool, they will walk all over it Mm -hmm. because it's just a different era. Um, Not a lot of these kids have boundaries. You know, I don't know how you grew up, but... um, I always understood boundaries, and I think it's because I, I grew up so street. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of these kids, they don't. So I'm pretty strict. I'm cool, but if they walk they, I always tell them, don't mistake my kindness for weakness. You know, They mm-hmm. got due dates, and some kids it gets worse before it gets better because they'll test you. And then once it gets better, you have a respect that I don't think they give other adults because no one looks at them and says no. And for them, I think no is the way we love them, because we're not. Their, I'm not their mother. Right. I'm their teacher, so I have to show them like, look, I care about you enough to say these are the consequences for cutting class, or I care about you enough to say you can't cheat on this test, or you can't disrespect me or this person. Mm-hmm. It's it's there's a
0: obstacle course. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's due to just technology running our lives at this point, or just all of us being super busy. So, if you're a parent and you're just trying to survive in the city, I think it's both. I, and I think how, how are you going to say no? Yeah, you're working eight jobs. <laughs> right? I mean, seriously.
1: I think it's both, but I think there's a lot of ingredients. I, you know, I think it's the era of, um, the era of the immediate. So everything they that everything they have available to them is fast. They want to buy something. They can buy it online. They want to get food. They can call. We have kids like have food delivered to the school. I was wondering
0: about that. Yeah. Yeah. Kids get picked up and lift. That's so much. Uh, I was a Lyft driver for a minute and I picked up a kid at a high school and I felt I just it was weird. It's baffling. And I think it's illegal. Oh. Might want to check. Just saying. I felt really weird about it. I dropped the kid off. Super sweet. Yeah. But I was like I'm never I'm not ever doing that again. Yeah. It's odd. You feel responsible. They, yeah, Sorry, they, no, great. it's great. They have
1: all these things available to them that just inevitably leads to entitlement amongst the struggle. Yeah. So
0: yeah, I see it in the young adults riding Muni and Bart every day. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very entitled. Everyone's entitled and tuning out. Yeah. Yeah, and they're they're being brought up by that. Mm-hmm. You know. Do you have rules in your classroom about phones, tuning out, headphones? So it depends on the class. I certainly have rules about phones. They're put
1: away unless we're using them. Sometimes we use them for research. Um, When they journal, I get them all journals at the beginning of the year, and I have prompts every week. About twice a week. Mm-hmm. They know they're allowed to listen to music. I've instructed them to make playlists. And they know when they write, they can put their music on. Okay. Yeah. But they need to push shuffle and put their phone away. Got so it. So that's what I try to do.
0: Okay. Well, we're about we're about to talk about music. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great segue. So I did hear, again, Australia, San Francisco, that you really wanted to play drums. Was yeah. that your entire adult life or just since you were a kid or just... So I... I was somewhere around
1: uh, young teens when I felt stumbled into what was the hardcore scene in the Orange County area. I was I live with my dad, mm-hmm. and um, I think my drumming fantasy started with the Cro-Mags. <laughs> okay, it really did, actually, or Jimmy Chamberlain from the Smashing Pumpkins. Okay, yeah, sure. So, and then and then later. Uh, Mackie from the Cro-Mags. And then, yeah, so it was something I always wanted to do. But I was still, like, messing with guitar, sort of. not Nowhere in the vicinity of playing with bands, just going to my friends' shows and selling their merch. I kind of stumbled into this thing women stumble into who grow up around Mm. um, Mm male-dominated structures, where it was like, all sell your merch, all cookie food all hey you guys need to ride somewhere mm-hmm. and actually a homegirl from that era who's not a musician but still a really good friend she's actually a mathematician professor in San Diego we actually discussed it because she's so proud of me for what I've done with drums mm-hmm. and in these bands because precisely because we never even thought about it back then nope. it was like never even a consideration to like pick up an instrument and play in the bands our guy friends were in well, I was
0: gonna say like a, a boy instrument I mean yeah. I played the piano and violin uh Asian and oh girl but it's <laughs> a good point <laughs> and stereotypical uh but I never even even thought that those things were for me yeah never they it, weren't marketed to you exactly so. exactly yeah that's
1: and that's where I was and then fast forward a zillion years later I was early 30s actually 30 ish or 31 I had a student who's like a daughter to me um, she had a terrible tragedy in her life, and the long and short of it was I was trying to cheer her up, taking her home one day. And so I was air drumming the Cro-Mags <laughs> in the car. Well, first I wanted her to hear the Cro-Mags. She was a musician. She was she did everything, actually.
0: Uh, music I'm playing are, ignorant. I don't know anything about the Cro-Mags. They are
1: a um, hardcore band from New York. Okay. Uh, it kind of grew out of the Bad Brains. Yes. Yeah, it, uh, East Coast. Okay real sort of um, punk hardcore. It's a little, little sprinkle of metal mixed in it. Mm. No one sounded like the cro or at least uh, somebody like me who discovered them long after they broke up. Mm-hmm. No, I just didn't ever hear, hear anything so amazing. Catchy but still tough. Mm. Um, oh man, they just it changed everything for me. So I was playing it for her and I told her my secret. I was like in my head I fantasize <laughs> about Being a drummer, you know. And she giggled just like you are right now. (laughs) And then she was part of this rock school in the Bay Area. And that year I was organizing budget cut protests for kids. Which, going back to your question about memorable moments, that was definitely a year. Because we were like all over the news. And these kids just took over uh, City Hall. Her director of the thing knew me. And so when she signed me up and I couldn't afford to do it, he was like, well, go ahead and tell her, we'll give her a scholarship. And I was petrified. I was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I, what have I got myself into? <laughs> right. Everything that stops us from trying anything new. I can't do this. I'm too old to do this. I'm not going to be able to pick this up. I was like embarrassed for myself and I did it. And then now I'm 40, I, what is that? Like over 10 years later and I'm playing drums and- in, in bands. In two bands and then a little extra drums and a third band and-
0: Dang, girl. See, anything's possible, y'all. Just FYI. (laughs) Um, So talk about your bands. Which one came first? And I know you're doing some... You you go ahead. I was Uh, just going to say, I know you're writing, too, for some of them.
1: Uh, Harriet's the first one. Those girls and I, that was our... For all of us, that's our first band, more or less. I think one of the girls sang in another band. I think Nina, our bass player, may have played in some other things way long time ago if memory serves I'm not sure but we kind of became musicians together and we've been playing off and on for about over ten years now okay. or yeah about that since you st- since I started yeah so after okay. that rock school that's how this band started okay a couple of the girls were in rock school and we're like hey we want to start this band what? yeah and then <laughs> so that's how it all began do you guys teach now I'm a teacher uh, we've had three bass players since Harriet began. Nina's our current. Okay. Um, but
0: you're teaching music also? No. That's I, what I meant. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. No. Oh, okay. You're no, not going no. back to they, rock school and teaching?
1: Were, one of them taught vocals in rock school. Oh. The other one ran the rock school. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So she, And now she has two of her very own owned rock schools in the Bay Area with her husband. Okay. Yeah, that's actually a great uh something to bring up if you have children, anyone listening in Berkeley area, Oakland area, uh School of Rock Berkeley on Gilman. It's yeah, it's right by Gilman Street. Yeah. And oh, um, 924? Yeah. It's oh okay around literally around the corner. Okay. So if you looked up School of Rock Berkeley it'll come up.
0: Do they still accept adults sometimes?
1: They have an adult program happening right now. Oh, so, my guess okay. is they'll do another one. All right. Yeah. This one, I think they have a show coming up in February. Okay. She actually asked me if I wanted to join it because this school's brand new. Oh, got it. And uh, But I just can't, I don't have the time given everything I got going on. So. <laughs> you already have eight plates up in here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So,
0: uh, Harriet mm-hmm. started 10 years ago.
1: 10 years ago. Okay. Um, we're. Right now, we're only now beginning to play together again Um, one of our members she is expecting. So that's the thing I love about Harriet out of all the bands. You know, the girls have become mothers alongside being musicians. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me so much of this old documentary called Who Does She Think She Is? Mm -hmm. about uh, women artists that are made to feel like they have to pick, like be a mom or be an artist you can't do both Mm -hmm. if you are your horrible greedy selfish Mm mom um that narrative and the girls have completely defied it they're like insanely good supportive present parents alongside producing art and um probably the biggest reason i'm proud to play with them they're vikings you know (laughs) yeah and then i have my students so it's kind of the same but different right you know do they come to your shows? No. Or do they No, okay. No, they're usually 21 and up. And, oh, got it. Yeah. Okay. And back to those boundaries. I don't know if I want like I when they come into my bar, they're like 25, 26,
0: 27. Yeah. I'm like, "Hey, bye." Yeah. I was going to say it's hard <laughs> enough running to, running into them in the yeah. city just it's just weird. As yourself. Yeah. I yeah. wouldn't
1: want them to be hanging out with me in a club
0: while I hit the skins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not yet, at least. Yeah. And then your other band yeah. is um, Sleep Bomb. So Sleep Bomb is a project
1: I'm in. Those guys, oh my gosh, they're so good. I'm not <laughs> officially in their band. They score originally produced kind of doom metal hmm. to old movies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they needed more percussion for Conan the Barbarian. So they brought me in for more floor toms on the drums. Okay. Some extra sounds.
0: Are these live? Like these are events? Yes. Like people could go to this and... Yes. What? And I would plug it. We just played a show
1: last weekend in Japantown. We played at New Parkway Theater. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, It's unbelievable. And uh, honestly, the drummers in that band, they've really helped me get better and they will probably continue to to help me get better. Um like I can lay it down I'm loud and I've got good time. I'm a but I'm a feeler drummer.
0: Mm. What does that mean?
1: Uh I don't count. There's I don't know. I just people th- like my bands that I'm in, they love the way I play, but I feel like I don't have a lot of technique given when I started and then being so homemade. Mm. So um The two drummers in Sleep Bomb have kind of helped me remember things like my rudiments and Mm. given me certain things to practice. So I've grown a lot by working with them. And frankly, they're the first men I've been around in the music milieu that
0: they don't treat me like a girl. I was just going to ask you, how's that being a lady drummer (laughs) (laughs) in in the music industry, even just around here?
1: I don't know if I'm the right person to ask. (laughs) Well, because some of the girls, like the girls in my band, Monjigati, they've been playing through different music scenes for 20 years. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. there's other musicians that would have a lot more stories to tell you. Again, these guys are the first guys I've ever played music with. Uh, And they definitely treat me like a person uh you know which Isn't is nice. refreshing it is refreshing yeah it is refreshing and probably the only reason i'm able to do this cuz i'm 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 having a hard time with um men just yeah, kidding. yeah. <laughs> yeah. no <laughs> i'm having a hard time with um growing as an artist in environments where men are um hmm. in this in this era so yeah i hear you i feel the same way about podcasting. I feel like every female-identified artist or female-identified person involved with art, mm-hmm. in especially in the Bay Area, echoes what I'm, what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's tricky. Mm-hmm. It's tricky. Everyone's on eggshells or not thinking about why they should be on eggshells.
0: Right. You know, there's a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah,
1: sleep Balm, It's a <sighs> Guys in the metal scene typically are like this they're they're basically like um, I feel like they have their own reasons for feeling outcast, mm. you know, so um, yeah, it's been different with sleep bomb,
0: okay, yeah,
1: um, yeah, and then Mangagatti, yeah, the other band, oh, those girls are great, like goth metal, dark metal, we need to record, we just played uh recently for a burlesque show, oh. Um, Those are the ladies uh, I started playing with after Harriet. I'm really proud of what we're doing. Some
0: of the same crossover or the Uh, ladies? No. Okay. No, two different uh,
1: ladies. Both of them are brilliant musicians. Strong, strong feminist women. Mm. Yeah. Which I guess that's what I mean. I'm surprised by Sleep Bomb because music and making it for me has been just so women identified. I. I think being in a room with men and trying to create, it's just out of my element mm-hmm. given these, all these women in my life I've made music with. So.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, you feel safe with women too, I'm going to guess, primarily.
1: Music's um, definitely been... Um, women ran for me in my latter life mm. at like as while playing an instrument it's been women dominated and this is with a past of having no involvement with an instrument dominated by men right so I think maybe that's I'm figuring it out as I say it out loud I think mm-hmm. yeah why sleep bombs like such a gift yeah
0: yeah some super dudes in there super dudes yeah. (laughs) good for them yeah good for those
1: guys
0: (laughs) yeah god um they those are the guys that should be having kids (laughs) or maybe not maybe Uh, there's one in there that does two in there that do not enough yeah yeah like those are those are the ones that should be procreating they should procreate yeah Harry, Tell them, <laughs> them either live. way, just have children. Um, please. <laughs> Those are the guys we want having kids. Um, I'd love to dive into your poetry. Okay. And there's something that you said on Stories San Francisco about your um mom was really rooting for you and, and wanted you to publish your writing and your poetry specifically. Um so we'll dive into poetry, but do you feel also that your mom passing away, was that an impetus for you to be creative all around mm-hmm. and, and help you yes. in that? Okay. Uh, I, without a doubt.
1: And But I didn't, it wasn't like I woke up and was like, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. It, I really like fumbled into it, this sort mm-hmm. of hunger, um, I think, to just keep her close. You mm-hmm. know, and it was something that we talked a lot about. Just before she passed, mm. you know, and her uh, saying to me, you know, you write really good stuff and me saying I want to try to submit it. I want to do this. And she look at me and she had this expression. The whole family knew handle it. And she'd sit and she'd just look at me and say, we'll handle it. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I did when she passed, started submitting.
0: And when did she pass away? May,
1: uh, May 30th, uh, 2015.
0: So she knew you were also a drummer. Yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah, she was living in a a great place at that time that took really good care of her, which is unusual for those kinds of places, but mm-hmm. somehow miraculously my sister found a great place where she could do things like get her nails done and they spoiled her before, her last days were good. Um but one of the last things she said she's like I want your band Harriet to come here and play. <laughs> And did I laughed at, no, I, oh. she's down in Norwalk and I laughed oh. and I was like, mom, we're kind of loud. She's like, oh. <laughs> and then it was something the girls and I briefly discuss around that time. Cause we didn't expect her to go when she did. Um, but then it didn't happen, but yeah, she knew, she knew I was playing music. I played some of the stuff for her, some of our songs. Okay. Yeah. She heard some of our stuff.
0: And, um, I, stuff. um, your poetry, does it does it kind of seep into what you write for the bands that you're in? Or are they very separate? <clears throat> it's been mo- it's been both. Um
1: most of my poetry is very, very separate. Um but like there's a song there well, the two songs that I uh that Harriet recorded that's on Spotify, those lyrics sort of grew out of some poems I had and some themes I had been working on at the time. Mm-hmm. Both songs? Yeah. I listened to those. Yeah. They're good. Thank you. Yeah. Well, the lyrics on both are co-written. The bass player and I on one, and then one of the guitarists, the keyboardist, guitarist, and I co-wrote lyrics on the other. Um, But if memory serves, what I was writing in my poetry at that time was very similar. Sirens and mermaids and just feeling um, a lot of relationships between women and their phases and the moon. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were intersecting. Yeah. But I wasn't writing stuff for the band and that was a poem from something else or yeah. I, right. I've offered them to the bands, but we tend
0: to write while we're there. So mm-hmm. yeah. more in community versus yeah. just sitting in the corner and Exactly. So how do you how do you even how does one even come up with a poem? Oh man, it depends. I I, most
1: of my work, it's so weird, comes to me in the car. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's like whenever I'm in um, the in-between, mm-hmm. so planes, cars, uh, washing dishes, in the shower. Oh, like, in the shower is definitely yeah. a thinking, it's a thinking place. And they go, They 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 come and if I don't drop what I'm doing and write, like I have to literally get out of the shower and then go and get it down or mm-hmm. I'll lose it. Uh, in the car, same thing, pull over, write stuff down. I used to carry a tape recorder, but yeah. it um, it's just turns out for me it's a lot easier and faster just to pull over and pen and paper. Uh, really? Yeah. I have so many napkins where things come to me at bars, and then I go home, and uh, sometimes I sleep on it. Sometimes I stay up most of the night and get it out. Okay. Sometimes I wake up, and they're there. Yeah. Uh-huh. And-, and then the editing takes
0: a whole other direction. You know, I never think I don't know why I never think of poetry and editing together because I feel like, yeah, it seems like poetry just when people write poems, it just pours out. And and that's what it is. It's weird. The more workshopping I've done and the more serious I've gotten about the craft,
1: there's a whole other poetry to editing. Mm. And oftentimes you can get um, new poems out of the editing process of Another poem. So, like, you'll be working on one and you'll start writing something out of it and you'll realize it, it doesn't go at all with what you're doing. Okay. So, you set it aside and turn that into something else later. It's a Pandora's box. I bet. It's, yes. Um, I've, I'm learning that I basically take the most high maintenance, most difficult medium and decide that that's the one I want to do. <laughs> so, so, drums. It's right, like all that hardware and stuff, mm-hmm. shit, and then poems. Oh, for
0: God's sake, they're it's exhausting. Do you have some that you've worked on for years? Yeah, they just sit there. Yep. Yep. How do you? What?
1: I have. It's the whole reason my manuscript's on hold because there's. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, there's some on there that I I won't dump them, but I also also won't. I haven't arrived at where I want them to be.
0: Hmm. Well, that's okay, though. You don't want to rush it. No. Um, do you want to talk about your memoir at all? Well, the memoirs... Are you, are you working on it? Not even close. Oh, I'm, you're not? I, no, okay.
1: I'm I'm still doing the collection of poems. Okay. So, yeah, I'm working on a collection called From Her Wrist. Mm. I guess if you could look at a collection of poems as a kind of memoir, it is that. I was going to ask you, yeah. it could be one in the same or... It's definitely... Added to. Yeah, but I would love to... I next, My next plan is a memoir. And, and um weaving it with student stories okay I mean I'm sold I shouldn't say that on the air I don't know how how cool and important I am but don't steal my (laughs) idea whoever's listening
0: (laughs) no I but every well I'm not gonna say anything um so I'm gonna go back to So that's what she said show. You came up, you wrote, you read your poetry and it was powerful as fuck. And, um, I asked you if you could read some on the mic, if you don't mind. Um, if you want to talk about the process around it or the story around it, you can, if you don't want to, that's fine too. But, um, take it away.
1: I'm, so I have three here. One of them is, I'll tell you what the, um, Briefly what the sources are and then I want you to pick. So Her Burden, I wrote after a really hectic week with kids. And by that I mean a visit to Juvie, another kid um, giving me an earful. It was a horrible week at school. Combined with getting dumped. Combined with watching Thelma and Louise. <laughs> All of that happened in a week and I wrote Her Burden. Okay. Or I wrote Lady Viking... After meeting a really amazing girl in New Orleans um, that I felt I had probably met her like in another. Like I felt like I knew her my whole life when I met her. Mm -hmm. And I ended up being a kind of messenger for her. She was a messenger for me. It was weird. And so I wrote that from that experience. Don't grow away. I Mm -hmm. wrote for friends in SF like us who are fighting the good fight to stay here that I feel like are losing that spirit and not being good to each other. Don't grow away. Lady Viking. That's not
0: fair. (laughs) Um, uh, Well, okay. So on the show, we talk about new Orleans a lot. Okay. And um, there's a whole story behind that, but, there was one trip that, um, well, the only trip that my partner, who's not here, and I took to New Orleans. It was a rando, last-minute trip to New Orleans, one of the best times of our lives, like, super connected, and when we came back, um, the social study, where that's what she said is normally every month, there was a girl sitting at the bar, and we were randomly talking about New Orleans. She chimes in, she's like, you know, um, San Francisco and New Orleans are called uh, psychic seaports. Mm. So... <laughs> All
1: right, we're gonna. I do will that leave one. you with that. It's so funny you said they're that girl psychic. I gotta write that down. I won't oh, steal it. But.
0: Don't you can steal it. I'm putting it on my body.
1: So I always say so. New Orleans. I always that's so weird. So totally reading this one. I always say <laughs> New Orleans is witch town. Totally, and it's SF used to be that way to me. Yep. But but so it sounds like for her it was.
0: But there's a book. I mean, we could go into this. Like, I I need to find the woman. I guess she's in Oakland. She's from New Orleans and wrote a book. And that's where Psychic Seaports came from. I mean. Okay.
1: I want her to read this. (laughs) All right. This is Lady Viking. Yes.
0: It's K.R. Morrison, everybody.
1: A tall and lanky woman with rings on every finger once told me that her lungs warehouse snare drums closest to an artery that one way streets to her decisions. Of course, we became fast friends. And next to her, I imagined a world where we women could be free to love one another purely. The kind of friendship that went holding hands, rings go forgotten, fingers grow confused. This world is possible. Ladies with gas lamps tucked inside rib cages, torches blazing inside our thighs, highways made by our bare feet. Scarlet fire seasons chronicled by sapphire and garnet around our heads. I cannot tell my new friend this. So instead, I wrote her a love letter on a bar napkin. Dear Lady Viking, I want to climb into your mouth. Salvage your tired words that retire below a rooftop of memory made of you and me. With you. I want to hold female gravity in my hand. Swim inside your burning stomach. Listen to your loud heart in a seashell roosting in a lost man's ears.
0: Hmm. You don't want to read one more? You want me to read another? Just, Shara, which one do you want her to read? Her burden or don't grow away? The second one. Don't grow away? Don't Don't grow grow away. away? Okay.
1: A latchkey kid's knees are wise. Bruises and scabs beckoning, wounds coming. When streetlights ignite and lovers fail, so hope must leave. When cancer insects foul the party, so death curfews, referees. When jobs suffocate smiles, when fun dip ends, so age invades for brutal dodgeball games. I call on all children to stay. And in your staying, refuse to sit still. Let your laughter sink ships exporting innocence to toxic worlds. Light fires to flags that make nations more real than pinky swears, first kisses, or bike rides by dusk. Storm castles that ransom fun for bank accounts and caskets, and when rain comes, bask in the epic baptism. Seance storms in a shoeless dance. Enlist Enlist audacity and crash into the puddles. Tell mom the rain boots don't fit. Just stay. Don't leave me here to forget what it's like to forget how I got so bruised because in the falling, pain is nothing on joy and days made of improvising. Because jealousy or grief or betrayal, insert wretched adult wreckage here, Such scars are no match for what children create when cliff-jumping by light they harbor. Charged by father's son, void of man's clock. Protected by mother moon who hums them to sleep with songs about their past lives. Just be here. Breathe in me. Make my blood blue again. Don't grow away. I can't think of anything
0: more responsible. And on that note, (laughs) where can people find you in the new year to either gig or read poetry?
1: So there's a couple things going on. Thank you for having me, by the way.
0: My pleasure. Awesome. It's been too, we, we've been talking about this forever. So I know. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. So I'll come <laughs> st- back. We're starting the new year with you. So cool. Yeah. Um, so storied
1: SF's having a, an event, love letters to the city, um, which I'm really excited about. That's the podcast I was on that you mm-hmm. were talking about. Um, Their events on January 11th, uh, it's at Babylon Burning mm-hmm. screen printing place. Mm-hmm.
0: It's really rad. Yeah. And they have art space. Cool. Yeah.
1: So I'm gonna read some poems there and I have and I'm under the impression there'll be other artists there. A mm-hmm. couple others. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited about. And then I'm um gonna be curating Eves on the Beat in January. That's a feminist reading series at the Beat Museum every month. Um January 9th is is January's. Normally it's the first Thursdays, but because of the holiday, mm-hmm. we're going to do the 9th. Okay. 7 p.m., um, a bunch of lady readers on deck. <laughs> and any information you want to find about it will be on the Beat Museum's um, website. So, And then I'm on Instagram, K.R. Morrison,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if you look me up.
0: And the band's again?
1: Oh, uh, Harriet, which is on all the social medias.
0: And Can you spell it?
1: Uh H a r r i o t, cool. And then Mangiati, my other all lady driven band. We have a website, so it's m a n g i a g a t i. Okay. dot com. Uh, I don't know when our next show is going to be, but when there is one, it'll be there.
0: Mm-hmm. And sleep bomb. The dudes. The dudes. Sleep bombs <laughs> all over. If you if you Google sleep bomb, stuff will come up. Cool. K.R. Morrison, it's been it's been a minute. You should have been on here a while ago, but it, timing's always, you know, of the essence. Glad to be this time. Yeah, I appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you.
1: Cool.
0: That was poet, teacher, drummer, K.R. Morrison. You can find her this weekend at the Storied San Francisco podcast event, which is this weekend, uh, Saturday, January 11th, from 6 to 10 p.m., at the Story San Francisco podcast Love Letters to the City show at 63 Blexham Street, San Francisco. Check out the event. It's going to be a lot of fun. A um, lot of great art. A lot of great photos. Um, there's going to be some bands happening. And uh, Angie and I will be there selling merch, pouring drinks, and asking you for money. So please show up. Please show up. Show your love. And uh, in the meantime, you can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com. You can also find us at bff.fm every Monday morning from 6 to 6.30. We are powered by GoTo Productions. Bitch, please.